Hey, my name's Julia, and welcome to the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I left my full-time clinical dietitian job to pursue freelance work, and now I'm showing you how to do the same. If you want to learn how to make money freelancing, you're in the right place. This is a podcast takeover, and today I'm your host. My name's Nick, and I'm Julia's life partner. She asked me to interview her for her Nutrition Month series because of my unique vantage point as she transitioned in her career from a full-time worker to entrepreneur. Julia's career began as a primary care dietitian. After three and a half years, she left her role to pursue freelance work, and she never looked back. She currently teaches online nutrition groups, manages a nutrition writing business, and also founded the Freelance Dietitian brand. She uses this brand to educate RDs on all the ways they can freelance their skills. So I'm going to start off by asking if you could please share your RD journey with the listeners. Hey, thank you, Nikki, for agreeing to do this. And thank you for such a nice introduction. My RD journey started about three and a half years ago uh, in Ontario. You know, you have to do an internship after you finish your undergrad. And I did not get in. You have three years to apply. And I did not get in the first year. And that was so devastating because it's so hard not to compare yourself to other people who did get in. And it's hard not to feel bad for yourself in that moment, because then you're also left with a full year to figure out something to do to improve your resume, improve your skill set, so that next year you can have a chance of getting in. Um, So I decided to move a little bit away from nutrition. I pursued my yoga teaching license, which was great. I also did a little bit of photography stuff just on the side, just for fun. But then obviously I knew I wanted to apply again and I was pretty serious about internships. So I started working for the Hamilton family health team as a student and primarily doing administrative work. But that was really cool because it taught me behind the scenes of primary care and why it's so important. And it really groomed me for my first job, which I got as soon as I graduated and as a primary care dietitian in a different family health team. So not with the Hamilton group. And it was a very young clinic, so I was very tight with my coworkers, which was such a lifesaver because as a new dietitian, serving a clinic with a patient roster over 30,000, it was really hard not to get overwhelmed and not to feel that imposter syndrome. So I could lean on them a lot for support, and I'll always be grateful to them for that. I had an opportunity in that clinic also to work on a nationwide research study that was examining screening interventions for uh, different types of cancer. So that was cool because I got to do a little bit of research stuff in my full-time job. But eventually I just knew that counseling people all the time was not something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I started to think about other ways that I could earn money as a dietitian. And I knew I didn't want to do a one-on-one private practice. Again, I was trying to move away from counseling. And I stumbled onto freelancing and it just hooked me. I have always been someone who dabbles in several different projects I like to be a bit of a generalist. I don't necessarily need to be someone who's an expert in one topic. I would prefer to have a little bit of experience in several different things because that just satisfies me and keeps me curious. And I started freelance writing and then I founded Freelance Dietitian Brand because I just thought I can't be the only one who wants to see how far they can leverage their RD credentials and see what else is up there because it's 2022 So much has changed. There has to be ways that we can modernize the RD profession. And I think freelancing is the way to do that. So thank you for that, Jules. Uh, You spent a lot of time researching different opportunities. Uh, 
and did a few online things. Did you ever tell your listeners about Jewels and Tools? <laughs> no. So I knew I wanted to continue working remotely. Like, especially last March, I was just decided that this was a lifestyle that I loved and I didn't want to give up. So I'm like, okay, what kind of work can I do remotely? And I was craving something outside of nutrition and dietetics at the time, something to just be creative. So at first I created Jewels and Tools. And this was a DIY account I made on Instagram. And I was creating little videos about little or sometimes large DIY projects we were doing in our house uh, and just trying to educate people on how they could also do it. And it was a lot of fun, but it ended up being also kind of stressful because you have to be super creative and constantly doing DIY stuff, which of course costs a lot of money down the road. So I kind of realized quickly like, oh boy, unless you get sponsored, it's really hard to maintain that type of branding. But it was fun to experiment with it. And I think I've always had a entrepreneurial streak because my very first business, I started it when I was, I think, 20. And that was called Who's Counting. And that one was a counseling business because I just thought that's what dietitians had to do if they wanted to open a business. It had to be counseling. So I did Who's Counting. And then I kind of did Jewels and Tools. I wouldn't call it a full out business, but it was some kind of pursuit I wanted to be the boss of. And then now I have my writing business and then freelance dietitian as well. So it's interesting how I've just always dabbled on this outside of the circle, trying to find a way to make a business stick and especially a remote business stick. One of my favorite jewels and tools projects that you worked on was the, uh, the herringbone backsplash in our kitchen. So we had this really, really very strange looking green and uh, we needed to spice it up. So naturally we wanted to do a backsplash and I wanted something, you know, like a subway tile. And, and Jewel said, no, there's no way we can be more creative. So we went out and bought ourselves a ceramic tile cutter and some heavy duty gloves and found out ways to do little small cuts for around electrical sockets. And uh, it's something I think you should share with your audience. I think it's really cool. And it ended up being really fun too. It took a long time, but we got there. Yeah. I I think one of the best projects I ever did was creating a or trying to cast a cement vessel sink for our powder room. And I think that's just a true testament to how much I was seeking these creative pursuits because I just felt really stifled in my full-time job and I just like needed an outlet. And our house kind of became a giant art project. Yeah, we had four or five of these stone bowls which we still use for other things but yeah it was a journey yeah okay um so what was the first freelance project that you worked on the very first freelance project i ever worked on was not related to nutrition it was writing articles about yoga uh, specifically for maternal women and then specifically stretches after you come off an airplane and you're feeling really stiff And in a way, it was kind of nice to pick a topic that wasn't related to nutrition because sometimes as a dietitian, it feels like if you post any kind of content about nutrition online, people will come after you for for no reason other than everyone is just super opinionated. So I personally, as a thin-skinned individual, find it a little bit daunting sometimes to post nutrition content online. Um, so it was kind of nice that my very first project was about yoga, which is more neutral, and I just felt a different vibe. And that was the very first project I ever did. Uh, 
I lost track of where I was asking you questions. Okay. Uh, at what point did you start to realize you wanted to quit your job and do freelancing? I realized quite fast that I wanted to pursue freelancing after about three months. So that would have been like July or August. And I really struggled with saying that desire out loud because then it would be real. It's It was just so close to my heart and I was in such a state where I was feeling really confused and torn, you know, should I stay with my job? Should I leave? Am I crazy for wanting to leave my job? And I I think like in August, I finally said it out loud and it just was almost cathartic. Like it still gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, Because something about me is I really have a people pleasing streak and I have a lot of really high standards for myself. So in a way, leaving this job for some reason in my brain, it translated to being a failure and I was just so scared that my coworkers would think that I was you know tapping out or that people would think oh she's not a good dietitian or like I said oh she's crazy why would she ever leave this cushy government job and I really put a lot of thought like that was really holding me back quite a bit I would say and it took and because of that it took me longer to leave my job than otherwise I, I should have or that I would have it was a big decision it was a big transition point for you I mean, you spent how many years in school and and in um, what's uh, what's your after school or during yeah, the school internship? Internship, yeah. Um, and then eventually finding this job, you know, that's five plus years heading towards this goal, and you get there and you realize I can do something better. I need to do something better. And um, it's a total transition, total different way of thinking. And it's not it's not a easy question to start asking yourself and even to start looking at what else is out there. Yeah, and it was really tough because I in a way I, and I feel very fortunate saying this, but I had been groomed for a role in primary care because as a student, I had been working at the Hamilton Family Health Team on the back end on the administrative side. Uh, and the RDs who raised me, as I like to say, are all family healthcare dietitians, and they're amazing and stellars. And, you know, in Ontario, they are the leaders of innovation. And I, I felt in a way I was kind of letting down the gang, which I know is ridiculous and none of them would ever want me to think that. But when you're in the moment, you just can't help but think like, oh, this is a huge decision. I'm feeling scared. How's it going to affect me? How's it going to affect everyone else around me? How's it going to affect my loved ones? So yeah, I don't know. For me, I'm a very emotional person. So it it totally rocked my world. And, you know, when I took this job three and a half years ago, I thought this would be my forever job. Like people don't typically leave family health teams like you're there for life. So here I like I would have never thought fast forward less than five years, I would be not only quitting this job to like not go somewhere else, but I'd be quitting it entirely to do my own thing. Like that was not on my radar three and a half years ago. At what point, and this is kind of the whole point of bringing you on the show, Nikki, is to get your perspective, and that's what's going to make this episode so unique. You know, at what point did you consider like, oh, Julia's like pretty serious about this. Is she going to quit her job or what? Like, what was your As soon as you brought it up, I was like, okay. Yeah. That's where your head's at. I'm going to give you all the support you need, talk you through it. Um, And everything you had said at that point was 
was real. And even the stuff you didn't say, I could see it through your day-to-day, you know, just um, mood, energy, uh, whatever you want to call it. And it was, uh, it was kind of pulling you down a bit. And the, the energy that you had at the start wasn't there. And and as soon as you brought it up, I mean, I don't think I was very surprised. I saw it coming. You wanted to explore writing because I don't know if you know this, listeners. Um, Julia uh, started writing since she was a wee young lady. <laughs> writing in her diary every day. And, and so the writing has been so ingrained in your, in your chemistry that it was easy for you to kind of transition to the, the freelance writing side and then also to, you know, use what you learned and, and what you liked from your your dietitian learnings. It was just a, a beautiful combination and you really went into it and you found out right away that, hey, there's there's a lot of interest in, in what I have to say and how I say it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too, and I wanted to ask you this because I'm sure from my perspective, I mean, my personality tends to just be like, oh, it's fine. You know, if if you reflect on an experience that was kind of shitty or unfortunate, like a year later, I'll be like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like I kind of underplay it, I guess. Um, But I know for sure last March, especially like my mental health was better because I'd been out of the office for a year. But prior to that, like right when the pandemic started, I don't think my mental health has ever been worse. And it it was really scary because I just kind of slipped into this depression without even realizing it. You know, I just felt tired all the time or I felt uninterested. And it sounds silly that I couldn't see the symptoms for what it was, but it was definitely like a full-blown professional depression. And it was just seeping into the other parts of my life. Like I just felt like negative all the time and uninspired especially. And I remember writing in my journal that I was just feeling like I had so much to offer, but I didn't know where to take my path. And that was really stressing me out because I just felt like there has to be more than this. Like I am on this planet to do more than this. Like I just know it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like uh, you, you don't know how good or bad it is until you leave yeah. the thing you're in. And the other thing is I think you were extremely undervalued in that position and you should be working in a place where you are valued. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Let's talk about what it was like after resigning. How was that for you? The experience of handing in my resignation was nauseating and way harder in real life. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Uh, my place of work was very surprised that I was leaving. And unfortunately, I had, you know, tried to do it in person, but with COVID, it just wasn't going to happen. So I had to send an email and, you know, that was also nauseating in itself because you just sit there and wait after you send the email (laughs) or like, God forbid, it doesn't go through for some reason, like if the server crashes. Uh, And I just had to stand my ground and I just told myself no matter what, I was not going to apologize because I think it's like a reflex where you're just like oh I'm sorry I'm quitting to like live my dreams and I just did not want to be that person mostly for myself just be like no Jules you have nothing to apologize for you are going to do this because you just need to and it's going to make you happy and 
I remember that. I remember that like running dialogue through my brain. It's like, don't apologize. Don't say sorry. Leave on good terms and everything. It wasn't a negative conversation. I was actually very supportive for my superior. But I just remember personally, I was just like, I'm not going to say sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And then the weeks that followed, you spent a lot of time crying <laughs> totally crying <laughs> i sent everyone in the world a message i sent krista a message she was my business coach at the time my parents were so supportive and that really surprised me i mean i don't i wasn't okay that's a bad word i wasn't totally surprised i knew they would be supportive and want me to be happy but there was this moment i had with my mom where she just said thank god you left that place i've never seen you so miserable in your life and she hadn't said that to me until after i had quit and you know, it just hits different when your mom or someone who you know loves you more than anything can see that you are suffering. And it just made me be like, oh, I should have done this sooner. Like everyone mm-hmm. around me knew that I was unhappy and just not thriving. And it was just like, yeah, I'll never forget that moment either. After that, you spent a lot of time really building the foundation to what will eventually become freelance dietitian. You want to talk about the steps that you took to build that foundation? Yeah, sure. So last year, obviously, because I was working full time, I had more income that I was willing to invest into my business. Uh, And so I just hired two business coaches, which is not necessarily the norm because I did it back to back. Um, And one was Krista, which was phenomenal. And the other one was Colleen. And that's my freelance writing coach. And I think personally, like without Colleen, like I would not have been able to leave my full-time job. Just the level of care and attention and the plan that we created made me feel extremely confident that I knew what I was setting myself up for and most importantly, setting myself up for success. She was a phenomenal freelance coach. Um, So I did, I just, and I invested in that and it was expensive. It was very expensive. It was almost 10 grand at the end of the year the amount of money I had invested into my freelance education. But, you know, if you want to succeed, and I always say this, like Olympic athletes don't arrive to the Olympics just because they were educating themselves. Like they have an elite crew of supportive coaches that are backing them up, teaching them how to reach that elite status. And the same is true for all women in business and men in business as well. You know, there really is a village behind them pushing them forward. And as soon as I realized that was the norm, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is crazy. Why would I ever think that I could do this by myself? I have the money, I have the time, I can invest in a coach, like I should just do it. And it was hard. It's really hard paying that amount of money on something that isn't a guarantee, um, but so worth it. And now it's totally normal for me to look at more of a premium course because I just know the value, like the value is going to be worth it and you're going to make that money back before you know it too, so... I think that was part of the the experience and, and maybe a little bit of uh, adding to the nerves was y- you have to put a lot of time and money into building these foundations and sometimes you don't have the money coming in. So you're doing these at a net loss. Um, and one of the things that pushed you through was was really your your dream to to really make this thing work and and we had a lot of a lot of great conversations about how we make it work um 
and and the time that you needed to invest and it all proved to be fruitful look at you now yeah yeah i think uh i i uh I took, so for listeners who aren't aware, because I haven't really shared a lot of updates with you guys of what I'm personally doing this year. I, in January and February, I had to just pump the brakes. I was so burnt out because before I was working like three jobs because I was freelancing my full-time job. And then I was also doing some teaching. And January and February, I wanted to keep going, but my body just said no. And so I just did kind of the bare minimum of freelance projects to keep myself afloat. And now it's March and I'm full tilt. I'm like back in the saddle and feeling so great. And I, I, I don't regret those months, like taking them off already. And I have a feeling like 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and be so happy that I took that time off because when else are you going to get to take two months off just because, you know, so, so to prepare for that, like Nikki had said, I mean, we talked a lot. It affects our whole, me leaving this job affects our whole family. Unfortunately, you know, I couldn't have done it without a super extremely supportive partner and then for my own side, because I am independent and I do like to have my own income, it was really important that I take care of my own finances. And I had saved up about two years. That's my nest egg is two years, which is way overkill. Typically, they say you just have to save enough for six months, but I'm just a bit paranoid, I guess. So those are kind of the check boxes that I just ticked off. And then finally, I'm like, okay, it's time to hand in my resignation and just go for this. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of cute how you say you, you took two months off to relax and take a break, but you weren't relaxing or taking a break. <laughs> so true. You were either thinking about it or writing a schedule, very light work, but you were still moving. Yeah. And it, hey, it, it, it was something that you didn't have to do, but you did it anyways, because you like thinking about it. And it made you feel better to have that, you know, lined up for March in the future months. I, however, when I take a break, I'm very Mediterranean. So the brain shuts off and it's very hard for me to think. <laughs> Complete opposite. Okay. Uh, so you talked a lot about um, the foundational stuff and how you got here and and you know who you did the coaching with and what you learned and how you did it who who is your businesswoman model idol businesswoman idol who is your businesswoman idol my this is a great question cuz i think everybody has someone who they idolize in their brain my business idol is master baker christina tosi or tosi 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 and I love this woman. And listen, I am, I don't even like baking. Like I hate, I'm not a good baker. I don't follow recipes. It's chemistry. I like to eat the baked goods, but you know, Christina, I will never forget. So she was, she has featured everywhere now. She really blew up over the past couple of years, but she was being interviewed on chef's table or they were doing a feature on her. And one of her peers said that the most miraculous thing about Christina is that she is so hardworking, but she makes it so fun that you don't even realize her genius and that she is literally moving mountains. And I just totally try to embody that when I create my own business now. I want people to be working 
to be having so much fun, like they don't even realize how hard they're working and what they're achieving. And I just think that is such an amazing and likable trait for a leader to have that's very inspirational. And I think I'm a little bit swinging in the extreme because in the clinical setting I was in, it was just so serious all the time. And I just feel like not you can still work and take your profession very seriously, but you don't have to be serious about it all the time. You can bring in playfulness and lightness and you can laugh and enjoy yourself throughout the process as well. And for that reason, she's my idol. And she's also just killing it as a businesswoman. Her claim to fame is that she started to save the the milk from her really sugary sweet cereal and then she started to bake with it and then she started to make ice cream with it and just having that kind of sounds gross but like secondhand it milk is not. product it is not. <laughs> really enhanced her goods and it just took off so in toronto she has a little pop-up store and she also made something that's called crack pie and we went to her pop-up store mama fuku and i was i had her cookie i had her crack pie and honestly, it really was the best dessert I've ever had in my life. And I'm totally biased, but I just love her. And, and Jules isn't a, a sweet dessert eater. She is a savory gal all the way through and through. Um, and so for her to eat an entire cookie, like that's saying something. Yeah, I would do it for Christina. I would eat a cake for Christina. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, I ate four. It was great. Delicious. Thank you so much, Jules, for giving me the opportunity to interview you. I had a blast. Hope you had a blast too. Uh, hope I didn't put you on the spot. Sorry for saying ah so many times. And I hope to have this opportunity again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Next week, I am bringing on a guest to the show. Uh, she has been listening to the podcast and working on freelance projects, and she's already started to secure clients and supplement her income with those projects. So I thought it'd be really great to bring on a fellow listener so you can hear from someone who's in the trenches, someone who's maybe a little bit more relatable. My biggest like fear is to have uh, too many guests on that are kind of already in the winner circle, because I know on one hand, that's very motivational, very inspirational. But when you're trying to figure stuff out for yourself and you're just starting, sometimes it's even more motivating to hear about a peer who's in the same tier as you and just starting out and feeling the same concerns you're feeling. And it's just so relatable. So I wanted to bring on a listener onto the show to interview her. So her name is Bailey. She is a Canadian-based dietitian. She specializes in plant-based nutrition and she's lovely. And I know that you guys are going to love the episode. If you like the show, please consider dropping a five-star review or you can leave some love in the comments It makes my day and it makes my guests day as well. I hope you have a great week and I'll be back here next Tuesday. Bye.